You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to journalist and writer Hattie Crisell about her friend Sandy. I feel like I'm quite lucky compared to a lot of people because I don't have children so I'm not homeschooling and I work from home anyway so that hasn't changed um so I've got you know a lot of things making my life a bit easier Mm -hmm. um some days are happier than others definitely yeah um but I think we're all having wobbles Mm. I was just in in the old zoom therapy sash this morning was saying if it's weird because I'm speaking to every couple of weeks at the minute which feels absolutely mad because so much is happening emotionally for me in any one day but then also in in other ways I mean so because I had symptoms before lockdown started I did a week of isolation back in mid-march so I've been basically on lockdown for I don't know over six weeks now I think and um in some ways, you know, it feels like everyday drags. But in other ways, I look back and because basically nothing has happened in my life for the last six weeks, because we're not allowed to go anywhere, it sort of feels like it's gone really quickly in some respects. Like it's, it's yeah. already almost the end of April. Yes, I did suddenly think when uh, there's been all this stuff in the last 24 hours of what have we learned in the first month of lockdown? And I was like, oh God, a month. That actually... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we're doing really well. I think we should all pat sh- ourselves collectively <laughs> on the back. I totally agree. It's been it's it's amazing to me how many of uh, of my friends are able to still find a way to beat themselves up in this time about um, not you know not having achieved. I've got one friend who keeps being like I failed at lockdown. You know, I should have. <laughs> she said the words yesterday, which really made me laugh. She was like, I just really should have like hit the ground running. You know, and I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why should you? No, and she's got two children and is pregnant, and was like, I just should have, like, oh. you know, see, basically, as the doors, as the gates were closing, she should have, like, you know, been thinking about her book manuscript and got a sourdough starter ready and all of the other stuff. And I was like, you gotta be. <laughs> like kinder to yourself this is mad um but how in that respect how are you feeling like have you because I know we've talked about the pressure to be you know writing a book and productive and yeah yeah how are you as a Um, writer how are you finding writing in lockdown uh I have done very little writing over the last month or so other than the writing that I'm paid to do for work I've well I mean I've done no writing other than what I'm paid to do um I've sort of given myself a pass on that because I feel like, um, I don't know, we had this conversation and you said something brilliant that stuck with me and that there's a bit of, <laughs> there's a bit of a sense that this is like a creative retreat where we should all be making something. Um, but it's not a creative retreat. It's a global emergency. And I think <laughs> to expect yourself to develop some sort of um, new motivation to do something brilliant at 
probably the hardest time most of us have had for a while um is ridiculous Mm -hmm. so um and the other thing is I I did an interview a few weeks ago with a lady called Jo Hunter who runs an organization I think it's called 64 million artists um which is a sort of organization that promotes everyday creativity Mm. and um I interviewed her for Vogue and she she was talking about the benefits of creativity but she she pointed out that often the creative practice that brings you solace at a time like this isn't necessarily going to be your kind of primary um, form of creativity that you might use under normal circumstances. So if you're a professional writer or a professional musician or whatever it is, you may find that the thing that you really need to do at the moment is bake or Mm. do jigsaws or whatever. She was like, you know, it's not about trying to make something that's enduring and um valuable to the world it's about tapping into those creative practices for comfort and um you know there's so much that we can do that and it doesn't have to be useful Mm. um so I found that really really soothing and I've done yeah I'm doing loads and loads of cooking which is slightly ridiculous because I live on my own but there you go oh I feel like the most elaborate dinners I ever made were when I was living by myself because I was like (laughs) just had so much time no I think that's really um that's a really nice way to look at it as well because I'm so I think I've spent a, a lot of my life only doing creative things that feel justified by them being work or yes. like there's there's a thing to sort of them needing to be valid I've got into a pattern of writing as a journalist and that being uh, it's become a means to an end to pay bills. Whereas actually when I started out, when I was writing, when I was sort of, you know, 17, 18, 19 and writing sort of emo poetry, um, it was probably not very good, but I loved it. Like it really sort of got me feeling fired up and excited about ideas and, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I, I, used to write constantly as a child and a teenager all kinds of nonsense Um, and it was my sort of great kind of emotional outlet. The other thing that I heard which I found really helpful was I spoke to, I interviewed Marion Keyes last week, the novelist Marion Keyes for Grazia and she said she was talking about how she's trying to write a book at the moment but she's finding it incredibly difficult you know it's like pulling teeth Mm. and she said there's an apparently there's a neurological reason for it because she said at the moment we're all or many of us are living in a sort of state of hyper vigilance Mm -hmm. um because of what's going on in the world and so she said when your brain is in that um state um, I guess it's almost like a fight or flight state. It's not really possible to have that kind of um, deep creative thought. So it's not it's not possible to get into that zone of thinking slowly about something and yeah. sustaining concentration. Um, so I found that really comforting. Yes, it's really it's very reassuring to hear seasoned writers like that also and I think it's it's, it must be true so much of the background noise of my brain activity at the moment is low 
I don't I think I've moved out of the phase of intense anxiety but it, there is definitely still a separation from people and just the huge uncertainty there's still a lot yes. of that happening um one thing that I'm really lucky about is um I have relatives over 70 who need shopping delivered including my parents mm. so and I have a car so um generally at least once a week I'm dropping off shopping for someone and um, we combine that with a bit of a an outdoor catch-up you know standing outside the house or whatever mm. um, which you know it's very painful to not be able to hug my parents um, but it is such a treat to see them and it and it really is like the highlight of my week when I get to go and have a conversation with somebody face to face my uncle as well I've been delivering shopping for um, so that helps. I think, you know, obviously it helps them because they're even more restricted than I am. Um, there's no substitute for a hug, um, unfortunately. And I sort of can't think about that very much. Otherwise, I start to feel really wobbly. But I think it's been maybe seven weeks since I last hugged someone. A huggy person. So I do find that difficult and and also you know it wouldn't be so bad if I knew that you know we'll be allowed to have that physical contact again really soon but mm-hmm. yeah the sort of uncertainty is difficult so yeah yeah I've, I've I'm definitely the same as you and I said to somebody um oh it was to Kaylee I was like what do you think it's going to feel like the first time we go into a pub and we can hug people I think I'll just cry and she was like, oh, I found it a bit of a relief, actually, not having to hug people. I always just do it because I have to. Like, oh, that's, that's so not how I feel. Like, I miss it with every no. fibre of my being all the time. <laughs> I do as well. And I, yeah, I've had the same thought that the first time someone hugs me, I am going to cry. Like, there's no way that I'm not going to cry. That's Is there something that's been bringing you comfort particularly in in this period? Because for me, I felt like it's not things I would expect. So I just wondered, is there something you've been doing to make yourself feel secure or centred or inspired or anything? Mm. Um, Trying to think what are the things that are bringing me the most comfort. Um, This is a really indulgent uh, privileged one but I'm buying flowers every time I go to the supermarket now because that really cheers me up having some flowers in my flat mm. um, I'm doing loads of cooking and that gives me a lot of pleasure and I love eating so so that is probably kind of that has become my primary activity is planning meals and and making them mm. um, I've made a couple of things from Sabrina Gayor's um, book, Bazaar, which is like Middle Eastern, like Iranian inspired. Yeah, I love that kind of food. But I've also eaten quite a lot of crisps and I have fish fingers in the freezer. So every few days I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'll have a fish finger sandwich. Do you know what? I was really missing fish fingers the other day. And so I bought these. Oh, my God. I I didn't realise until Kaylee pointed it out that the name of them is called... (laughs) They're called sew fingers, 
Um, <laughs> I guess as in like Sawyer. But then this whole thing started where it was like, they're so fingers. And then, <laughs> and then, and then I had, the, I tried to recreate a fish finger sandwich and it was absolutely revolting. They, they oh, just, no. I'm normally like, pretty forgiving with vegan substitutes these days I'm like my bar has been lowered but these were repugnant it was so gross oh no not even ketchup could save it I like watching really kind of quite trivial tv at the moment so um I've just I'm just coming towards the end of re-watching all of girls which um, oh, yeah. it's so good and I sort of love the fact that their lives are so um, you know a lot of their problems are so ridiculous and <laughs> and funny yeah. um, find that good escapism also and I'm not proud to say this um, keeping up with the Kardashians I find quite soothing viewing <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are lots of people I'd love to see, but I decided to talk about my friend Sandeep. We were randomly assigned to the same university flat um, in first year in Edinburgh, and we were both 19, um, so it was, well, hang on, when was it? I think it was, like, coming up to 18 years, oh, my God, yeah, coming up to 18 years ago. And, um, and I remember I was unpacking my stuff in my room, and I heard her she was like chatting outside my room and I went out and said hello and she had a Geordie accent and I'm from Newcastle Mm -hmm. as well and I just the joy of meeting a Geordie on day one was so great and then she turned out to be like the best person ever so um yeah I mean we we pretty much spent most of our time together from that point on, but I think it was about, maybe it was a week or two later that we really clicked. And it was because it was an evening when we hadn't gone out, we decided to stay in, we were really bored. We were sitting in our sort of squalid kitchen and um, kitchen living room. And um, for some reason, she picked up a tea towel and started skipping around the room singing I'm in the mood for dancing um <laughs> and I was just crying with laughter and I think it was at that point that I thought yeah she's <laughs> great <laughs> and um and then we went on to so we lived together for four years at university and then and then I moved to London and she moved back to Newcastle for a couple of years. And then she moved down to London and we lived together for another eight years in London. Mm. Um, so we really, yeah, it's quite a remarkable friendship in that we spent 12 years as flatmates. Yeah, and that is amazing. Yeah, so I sort of feel that she is my extra sister. She has sisters as, as well, as and I do, but... Um, I think we both feel that we are sort of sisters too because I think when you live together for that period of time you just have a sort of level of um I sort of think of it as like mundane intimacy you know Mm. you you've spent so many hours not necessarily having like great quality time although there's definitely some of that but there's a lot of hours just spent you know sitting in silence watching tv and painting your toenails or yeah one of you being ill and the other one sort of looking after you or and it, i think you just you know somebody so well after all of that um and you're so comfortable together so 
Mm. It's a very special friendship for me. It's over the years that that friendship has really proved itself. Mm. Um, There's a kind of steadiness to it, which I find very comforting. And I think that's why I really miss her at the moment, because she is in the same way that my family feels like a bit of a sort of anchor for me she's she is that as well I feel um comforted by having her around Mm. do you think you and her are similar do you what what kind of what's her personality like um it's a really good question actually I mean we definitely have a very similar sense of humor um and I feel like we generally understand each other very well sort of get each other Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are similarities to our backgrounds as well even though you know her parents are Indian and my parents are white and you know culturally there are you know obvious differences but the vibe is very similar in our two family homes and um, there's a lot of kind of taking the piss out of each other but also a lot of love and a lot of food and warmth and so I think that that is maybe the reason why we connected as well Mm. um and I still find that when I go to her parents house I find it like super relaxing to be there as well because it's um it just you know they just treat me as a bit of furniture basically (laughs) um what's she like she's um she's very smart but she's completely unpretentious um I've never seen Andeep try to pretend to be something she is and she's just got very I don't know where it comes from but I think she has a very strong inner um sense of who she is and always has had Mm. um and I admire that I probably over the years have tried harder to um, impress people or whatever than she has um she's just got a quiet confidence to her um she's yeah she's very smart She's very dry and funny and quite silly um, some of the time, which I enjoy. Um, I was thinking <laughs> one of the things that one of our sort of running jokes when we lived together is um, when people used to come and stay and we had to make up the sofa bed. Mm. Um, as we were putting the bedding on the sofa bed, she would always put a sheet over her head and then pretend to be a ghost. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and sort of go (laughs) which is such a puerile joke but it just made me cry every time she did it and actually recently she said she was she was making up the she was making her bed and um her little girl who's um god how old is her daughter now I think she must be about eight months or something um Sandy put the sheet put the sheet over her own head and was doing the ghost impression and her daughter oh. was laughing and so she then made a little video of it for me. She's making me think of this. I was reading um, part of a book last night and they had this um, concept that I just loved, which was wise innocence. So it's the kind of maintaining a spirit of playfulness and fun and joy and not disregarding that as something silly or infantile like that's a it's it's a really crucial way to live but it can also be wisdom alongside that it's not one or the other I just thought yeah it was oh, very completely interesting. I think the people who grasp that are my favorite people I just I 
find it very tiresome to spend time with people who um, aren't willing to look a bit stupid. Yeah. I think that spending time with Sandy gives me a feeling that I really like and appreciate of being secure and comfortable. For the last couple of years, mainly the way we see each other is that I go to her house and um, and generally I travel up there. She makes lunch or something. She's an amazing cook. Um, we'll have some sort of amazing Indian food and then we sit on the sofa and play with the kids and drink tea and eat biscuits and it gives me such a sense of well-being every time mm. I go there I always come away feeling better um even just hearing you describe that feels comforting to me <laughs> yeah and it's not even it's very difficult to put my finger on what it is it's just a sense I suppose it's a sense of being with with family or with yeah somebody who knows you very well and um and who you know very well and it's just easy it's very easy so I think that is what I really miss at the moment is having that sort of quiet low-key time with her at home if you feel that somebody just knows you very well um it can feel very protective I think um yes definitely and there's also I mean you know, you know the concept of love languages? I do. Like everyone has a different, yeah. Um, so I always think of that in, in relation to Sandeep because Sandeep is somebody who gives people things constantly. And I don't necessarily mean that, you know, like flashy presents or whatever. But what I mean is like, if Sandeep is, even now, if Sandeep is out shopping and she sees a multi-pack of a particular kind of chewing gum that she knows that I like she'll Mm. just get it and then next time I see her she'll present me with some chewing gum or you know (laughs) you know a particular there's a lip balm that I really like that you can only get in India and I have to buy it online and sometimes she'll find a tube of it at her mum's house and keep it for me um and yeah she's not a sort of um you know I'm the person out of our friendship who will talk about how much I love her and I've written articles about how much I love her and she is not that sort of um she's not kind of she's much more private Sandeep and she's much more low-key than I am Mm -hmm. um but the way she loves people is that she looks after them and she cooks endlessly and gives you food and tries to force feed you if you're not not hungry (laughs) and um and presents you with you know a bookmark that she saw that that you know she thought you might like or just little thoughtful things so I find that very very touching and comforting as well Mm. it's nice when people do those sort of gestures as well because you know it means that she was thinking about you at that moment when you were in some other part of the world doing something else and I think that's a lovely thought so she will tell me a little bit when she feels ready to um and I, ho- I hope she knows that I am always there and ready to talk if she wants to but I don't push her because it's not you know because everyone's different um so yeah I hope I hope she knows that I'm there if she needs if she needs it female friendships are so um 
meaningful a lot of the time and so important but it's also nice to see that you can you know a friendship can change in form but still be just as valuable mm. um and which is something that you learn the older you get so um so that's been really nice perhaps we're less aware of all of the kind of daily details of each other's lives because we just don't you know if you don't see somebody every day and I think you know it's not always easy to find times to talk at the moment although we do you know we do I'm very conscious that this is like a this is a window of time where it's not going to be super easy for us to be in a lot of contact but that doesn't change the underlying friendship and when we do talk it's exactly the same and when we see each other it's exactly the same so it's just um I think when friends have families you know you have to be prepared for the friendship to kind of um sort of yeah change temporarily I suppose and and um you have to kind of be ready for that I think and then also remember that it will return to something closer to what it used to be afterwards I think I the experience of um like my first very close friend to have children was I found it quite hard because I suddenly felt like this was the same the same friend has two children and is pregnant with a third and I love her kids so deeply um but when she first had her first baby I, I suddenly felt like this huge thing was happening for her and totally changing her life and it and I couldn't understand how she was feeling in the same way because it was so out of the realms of anything I knew and I felt yeah worried that she's going on to have this really different life and I I don't know you know her perspective on things was so changed and actually it's it's lovely now because I do think I have a really good relationship with her kids and if I if I were to never have children I feel really grateful for the relationship I've got with them um yes so I was going to ask you how you know how your relationship was with Sandeep's children and how you feel about them oh I just adore Sandeep's children they're so cute and funny um she's got um she's got two kids she's got a little boy who is um coming up to three um and her daughter and they're just so funny and sweet and so like Sandeep in so many ways so um I love hanging out with them I mean I always feel I can rely on Sandeep um Mm. you know countless moments over the years when you know, and I, I hope that that has gone the other way as well. I think, you know, we've both, we lived together through breakups and family worries and job worries and all of that stuff. Mm. If there's one thing that I don't struggle with, it's um, telling people how, you know, how I feel about them. You know, maybe I should actually shut up about that a bit more. <laughs> um, so I think she knows. I think, I don't think that anything that, I could say now would come as a surprise to her but um yeah I'm just very 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 grateful that I met her and that she's still in my life and very excited about being able to go and sit on her sofa again and play with her kids 
what do you think your friendship would look like if you imagine yourselves in 40 years time together um brilliant I mean both Sandeep and I really like old ladies this is something we've talked about a lot um and I just think that she will still be very smart and funny and um probably you know yeah very sharp and we'll be sitting and watching tv together in the old people's home and um yeah I think we'll have a very jolly jolly time together drinking brandy that was always our uh, evening tipple um, in was many she ways the we're one, already old ladies was she the one who got you onto brandy yes yes she was although um, my mum is also a big fan of brandy to be fair and actually my mum and Sandeep are big fans of each other so um yeah <laughs> I, I always think that's such a power world. move when you just go and order a brandy <laughs> at the bar it's so sophisticated <laughs> thank you <laughs> Hattie has her own brilliant podcast, In Writing with Hattie Crissell, speaking to writers of all kinds about the way they work. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to tell us about someone you're missing, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at radioisopod.com.